All right, brothers, welcome back to another episode of Porn and the Gospel. I am your host, Spencer Sutton, and it's good to be with you this morning as I'm recording this. And before we get into today's episode, I do want to remind you, if you are looking for a group of brothers to uh, to go on this journey with and to be encouraged by and to... Uh, to really, honestly, I think one of the biggest benefits to this group, besides the fact that we are pointing each other to Christ, is just to know that you're not alone. And so many men I know that are out there listening uh, just haven't talked to anybody. They haven't spoken to anybody. They haven't confessed to anybody. And so I want to encourage you, if you don't have somebody locally, like a local group that is pointing you to Christ— and meeting on a regular basis, then I'm inviting you to join ours. You can go to themanofvalor.com and see what that's about. We meet on a weekly basis, Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Central. And we also have a uh, an online community uh, that we you know, daily encourage each other. We're sharing uh, different things, and uh, we actually are in the middle of a challenge right now, a about a 45-day challenge. Uh, that everybody's participating in. And so I just want to encourage you, if you need something like that, if you want something like that, uh, check us out. But for now, let's get into today's message. Now, this comes from, so I'm in the book of John, studying the book of John this this first quarter, I guess. I don't really know how long it's going to take me. I'm, I'm just now getting to chapter six. and And really in my... Bible study time in the morning, just to let you know a little bit about how I approach this. Uh, I'm I'm going through the book of John is definitely one of the things that I'm doing. However, if something else comes up and I need to be diverted in scripture in God's word, then I don't hesitate to do that that morning. So for instance, um, I'm this past week, one of the mornings, I my quiet time was simply meditating on Psalm 138. And when I say meditating, I'm talking about uh, slowly reading and then writing out uh, thoughts, insights, and prayers to the right of that passage on my iPad. But if it's not something like that, if I'm not stopping to meditate, or if I'm not stopping for memorization, then I'm just continuing on in John, uh, the book of John this year. So I was in the book of John, and I was finishing chapter 5, and so I'm going to go back and read this passage. I'm going to put it in context because I think that's very important. And then we're going to then we're going to move into um, the main message today. So John 5. 39 through 47. I'm not going to read all of this. This was just was what was my this was just my study. And so I'm going to read this one verse because it it really stopped me in my tracks and had me think. And this is Jesus talking to uh, the religious leaders of the day. And this is what he says because they were missing, like they were missing. Christ. He was standing in front of him, yet they could not see who he truly was. And so they were furious that he was healing people, that he was doing all of these great works, and that he was saying that he was the Son of God. And so here we are in verse 39. Jesus says this. He says, 
you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. And so I stopped there, and I underlined the phrase, you search the scriptures because. And I just sat there, and I thought about that passage, and I believe, well, I know that the people that people open their Bibles for various reasons, for various reasons, with various intent. And so I want to encourage you to think about, like if you were going to finish that sentence, Jesus starts it, he says, you search the scriptures because, how would you finish that sentence? Jesus knew the hearts of every single man that he was speaking to, and so he went ahead and finished it for him. He says, because you think that in them you have eternal life. In other words, you think that it's the scriptures that give you eternal life. If you know more or you're uh, wiser than your fellow Israelites or that you uh, you know that you've memorized the Torah, all of these things, you think that in them you have eternal life. And it's they, it's the scriptures that bear witness about me. And so if they truly believed, the scriptures, then they would see Christ. They would see that scriptures bear witness about him. And so you and I need to be very, very honest and say to ourselves and finish the sentence, you search the scriptures because. Because this, I, I believe that this is probably the most important thing about us. Like, how we how we answer that is of great importance these leaders grew pride from their knowledge of the word but true wisdom doesn't puff up instead it brings us low and it opens our eyes to the glory of Christ because it bears witness about him like you and i we grow rich like wealthy by searching the scriptures, as long as the treasure that we're seeking is Christ himself. And all of God's word points to him. And we will never fall in love with Christ apart from finding him and receiving him in the word. And so what we want to talk about today is I'm going to give you four principles for approaching the Word of God. And this comes to us from John Newton, who was a famous pastor and uh, wrote the hymn Amazing Grace. So he wrote four principles for approaching God's Word. We're going to talk about these. But before we do, I do uh, before we get there, I want I do want to kind of point us back and say like, how do we like how does Scripture testify to Jesus Christ? If Jesus says it's them, it's the Scriptures that testify about me. How do they? And so we see it in at least three different ways. Number one, our prophecies, all of Scripture. We're talking Old Testament, right? The New Testament, when Jesus was speaking to them, the New Testament hadn't been written. It was it was he was living it out, right? And so he's pointing back to the Old Testament. And he's saying, listen, it testifies about me. So it testifies through prophecies. And the most compelling prophecies are about his death and resurrection. So there's an old pastor named Charles Simeon, 
back hundreds of years ago, and he says that the prophecies were so detailed they could never have entered into the mind of an uninspired man, nor could possibly have been accomplished by any contrivance or conspiracy of men. In other words, you can't make this stuff up. You can't, like, there's no way. Like, the life of Christ was pointing back to the scripture and said, oh, remember what Isaiah wrote about me here? This is this is how it's being fulfilled today in your very presence. And so if we just looked at a few prophecies, let's think about them, especially when we think about the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Zechariah 11, 12 says, talks about how he would be sold for 30 pieces of silver, which he was. Isaiah 50, verse 6 says he would be beaten on the face and spit upon, which he was. Zechariah 12, 10 and Psalm 22, 16 talks about, they talk about nails that would pierce his hands and his feet. Psalm 22, 15 and 69, 21 talk about he would agonize and thirst and he would be given gall to drink. Psalm 34, 20 said that despite normal Roman practices, not a bone of his would be broken, and they weren't. And then Isaiah 53, 9 says and testifies that after death, he would be buried in a rich man's grave, which he was. Isaiah 53, 5, and he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and by his stripes we are healed. So prophecies testify to Christ. Next, we see in Scripture, in the Old Testament, types of Christ, like figures that are pointing to Christ. There's, there's several, just some of them. Just think about some of them are like, Moses was a type of Christ as our deliverage from bondage. David was a type of Christ as the faithful king. Solomon typified Jesus' reign of peace and glory. All of these, but yet all of these men we know were not perfect. They weren't the Christ. They only pointed to a Christ. They made us long for they made us long for an eternal, an eternal deliverer, a king. Think about that. Even the conquest of Jericho was a type of Christ's conquest over Satan. The tabernacle typified God as he dwelt among men through Christ. And so when we read the Old Testament, we read it through the lens of Christ. So I'm finishing a book right now. I'm almost finished with a book uh, called Tethered to the Cross, which is a story, which is the, I guess the, I guess you would call it the biography of Charles Spurgeon, but it goes a lot into his theology, like how he saw scripture. And I will tell you, he saw Christ throughout scripture and that's the way he preached. Now, yes, he would take scriptures in context, but he would go further maybe, then maybe even the author intended, and he would point out Christ in those scriptures. And and so one of the things that he said was, one of the things that Spurgeon said was, I would rather see Christ where he wasn't 
than miss him where he was. And so he did his best to see all of Scripture through the lens of Christ crucified and Christ resurrected. It's, it's I believe it's, it's a profitable way to approach Scripture. And then lastly, so we saw prophets, or we saw prophecies, we saw types, and then thirdly, just ceremonies spoke powerfully about Jesus Christ. And so we think about an example of that would be the Day of Atonement, where the high priest would enter the most holy place once a year to make a sacrifice for the sins of the people. And Christ is in the holy place, and his blood, his sacrifice on the cross was for the remission of sins for all who have faith and believe. And now you and I have access into the Holy of Holies. When he died on the cross, the, the curtain was torn from top to bottom. And so we see Christ in scriptures all over. And so, brothers, I just want to I just want to tell you, I just want to remind you. I just want to remind you, and I've said it a hundred times on this podcast, it is not horn blockers. It is not accountability partners, although those things are fine. It is the exalted Christ. It is the exalted Christ that will give you power to walk in freedom from habitual sin, to pornography and masturbation. Christ will do it. I was talking with a brother actually this morning, and he just he reached out to me to confess that he that he had fallen and he had um, turned back to porn and masturbation. He just wanted to confess it and get it out of the open. And he says, "You know, I feel like because I'm going to war that with this sin that that I'm I'm really fighting uh, this sin that Satan has stepped up his." temptations and his lies and and yeah absolutely i believe it's true and so my point to him was one of my points to him was is brother like christ look at christ christ paid the ultimate sacrifice for your sin and so run to Christ. He forgives you. He welcomes you. When we believe the lies of Satan, we hide in darkness and we don't talk to anyone. And so just him confessing was a step in the right direction. And then I said then I just told him like this process, this is not a this is not a miracle um just revelation. It's not like God comes down from heaven, shines a bright light on you and and then you're completely cured. This is a process of sanctification, of, of adoring Christ more and more. Paul prayed to the Philippians in chapter 1. He said, I pray that your love may abound more and more with wisdom and discernment. Like As Christ's love grows in us, the desire for self-satisfaction for self-gratification begins to die. Does it mean that we're 
not going to wrestle with selfishness the rest of our lives? Absolutely not. We're always going to wrestle with that. Unfortunately, this is a part of indwelling sin, but we fight, we fight and we fight and we have the courage not to quit. We have the courage to keep going. Do you know why? Because we keep coming back to his word day in and day out. We keep coming back to his word and looking to Christ, looking to Christ. And so having said that, the number one reason that we go to Scripture, the number one reason we go to Scripture is to see and to know Christ. Like, this is the number one reason. Jesus prayed this. He said, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's John 17, 3. Charles Simeon said, it is the knowledge of Christ and that alone that conveys to our souls the blessing of salvation. So Paul cried, I want to know Christ. Philippians 3.10. And this, this brother was well advanced, writing this from prison, well advanced in his Christian walk, and he continued to say, I want to know Christ. And so Jesus was telling these religious leaders at the time, it's the scriptures that bear testimony, bear witness to me, and yet you refuse to come to me so that you would have life. So then let us above all things, as we come to scripture on a daily basis, we're not coming to check off a box. We're not coming to make ourselves feel better. We're not coming to get rid of pornography. We're not coming to do any of those things. We're coming to know Christ and adore Christ and see Christ. This is what we must come for. So I'm going to give you these four principles that um, John Newton Again, author and author of Amazing Grace, and he was a pastor. So here are the four principles for rightly approaching God's Word. I'm going to take them, I think, a little bit out of order, uh, but I think that's okay. There's just four of them, so here we go. Number one, approach the Scriptures with humility. Guys, if I come to Scripture... If I come to Scripture because I'm thinking, hey, I want to I want to learn the Scripture so I can go and um, talk about it on the podcast and appear that you know I know what I'm talking about. I can appear uh, appear more religious. I can appear more knowledgeable. I can appear like that's a waste. I won't receive anything from the Word with an attitude like that. We come in humility because I come because I want to know. Christ. Like my life is dependent on it. I know how sinful I am. Right? I know how sinful I am. I know my weaknesses, my sinfulness, and I need his strength and his wisdom. So this is what Newton says. He says, let us aim at a humble spirit. Let us reflect much on the majesty and grandeur of the God we serve. Let us adore his condensation, no, I'm sorry, his condescension in favoring us with a revelation of his will. In a word, let us study to know ourselves, our sinfulness and ignorance, 
then we shall no longer read the scriptures with indifference or prepossession, prepossession, there we go, but with the greatest reverence and attention and with the most enlarged expectation. Guys, come in humility. I've, I've, I've mentioned the scriptures. There's two in, there's two in Isaiah towards the end of Isaiah. I can't recall them off the top of my head, but it talks about this is the one to whom I will look. Like God is saying, like the universe is mine, the world is mine, all is mine. But this is the one. This is the man that I look at and favor. It's the one who is humble and contrite and trembles at my word, brother. Let's approach the word of God with humility. Humility, humility. Without it, we will see nothing in Scripture. So that's the number one. Number two, let us approach the Word of God with prayer. So humility, to me, is going to lead to prayer. Because if you know yourself well enough, you know that you're not worthy in and of yourself to come to the scriptures, to know anything. And so in humility, you trust in the sacrifice of Christ to allow you to see divine things in his word. And without his spirit showing you, there's no hope. And so humility gets us to bow our head. And then when we bow our head low, what do we do? We talk to God even knowing that we're not worthy, but believing that Christ has made a way for us to talk to God and his spirit that lives in us has made a way for us to commune with God. David prayed, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. So this is a prayer, and I've mentioned it before, this is a prayer that I pray in the morning before I open the word, like, Lord, open my eyes so that I may behold wonderful things, wondrous things out of your law. That's Psalm 119, 18. Martin Luther urged that when studying the scripture, he says, your first duty is to begin to pray and to pray to this effect, that if it pleased God to accomplish something for his glory, not for yours or for any other persons, he may be very gracious. He may very graciously grant you a true understanding of his words, for no master of the divine words exists except the author of these words. As he said, they shall be all taught by God, John, John 6, 45. So approach the word of God with prayer. I mean, guys, just, just call out to God. Before you start reading, call out to God and say, just Lord, open my eyes. Give me a heart of understanding. Give me wisdom beyond this world. Like the world wants to think that wisdom that is earthly is great. The world wants to wants you to think that money on earth is great, that that popularity is great, that status is great. All of these things are great, but the wisdom that comes from God is humble. It's it's it takes on the form of Christ. Like wisdom, we see true wisdom in Christ. And Christ humbled himself before God. And we see Christ praying. We see Christ praying and talking to God and having communion with God. And so you and I, you and I need to come and approach the word of God with humility and with prayer. I believe Spurgeon, uh, one of his quotes is, 
um, something to the effect that of there are treasures in God's word that can only be unlocked and accessed through prayer. And that's what makes, I'll tell you guys, this is what makes the word, one of the things that makes the word so beautiful. And one of the things that gets me excited every single morning to get up and spend time with the Lord. One of those things is just the fact that I never know what he's going to show me. It's all grace. <laughs> it's all grace. If you knew what kind of student I was growing up, you would say, this is all grace, that I know anything, that I can retain anything. And so when we come and approach him with humility and when we come and approach him with prayer, it's amazing what he reveals to us. And again, not to puff us up, but to magnify and glorify him and then to give us like he encourages us with his promises, gives us more faith. He enables us to obey him. He teaches us. I mean, so many great things. We could spend hours talking about this, but we won't. All right. So approach the word of God with humility. Approach the, God, word, of, approach the word of God with prayer. Next, study the scripture. Approach the word of God with sincerity. Sincerity. So Newton says this, he says, I mean a real desire to be instructed by the scripture and to submit both to both our sentiments and our practices to be controlled and directed by what we read there. <laughs> Guys, this is all about obedience. When he says sincerity, he means that you're sincere and desiring to hear and obey. We call this revelation and response. Revelation and response, right? So th this is much different than being just a just learning. This is learning then living, learning with the intent to live. It's revelation and response. You learn it, then you live it. Many of us, many of us are are just we just want to learn. And we want to learn and retain this knowledge and go and tell other people how much we know without even really living it out. And then we wonder why we hide in fear when the thought of confessing sin comes up because, well, what will other people think about me? Which is not humility, which is not sincerity. You and I must come to Scripture with a very teachable spirit. So this is what Charles Simeon says. He says, desiring to learn from them the will and mind of God and determining through grace to obey them in every way so that we receive implicitly whatever they declare, obeying without reservation what they command. This is this is going back to the going to the book of James. This is faith with works. This is reading, 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 studying, looking at the Sermon on the Mount, what Christ says, and then saying, Okay, Lord, I desire to obey like sincerely, but guess what? I need your help. <laughs> right? And so 
it's it's really an incredible uh, prayer sandwich here because you're praying before you read the word, and then when you read the word and you see what it's calling you to do, guess what you have to do again? You have to pray. God, give me the faith to walk in the way that you command me to walk. Give me the faith to live with a pure heart today, not to lust, but to honor you with my eyes. What I look at on my phone, as I'm scrolling, what I stop and glance at, God, give me greater desire to honor you than to please and feed my flesh. So sincerity, like if you are not approaching the word of God with a desire to obey, then what good is it? And brothers, listen, I just want to tell you, this is something I struggle with, right? Because you and I are going to fail many, many, many times over. Spurgeon says that when he had resolved not to sin, he realized that he had sinned before breakfast. So you and I are going to struggle, but we must struggle. We must fight. We must learn obedience. Learn obedience. All right. And then lastly, the fourth thing, according to the way I've rearranged them, we must study the Bible and approach God's word with diligence. So I know that John Newton says this, Charles Spurgeon says this, many other like great saints of old say this, but they talk about coming to scripture like miners, like one who are the ones who are seeking treasure by digging and examining. Charles Simeon said this. He says a casual and cursory stroll through the scriptures is of little use. Even a formal habit of reading such as the Psalms and lessons for the day will not do. And now he's he's not discouraging. He doesn't discourage daily Bible reading. But what he means is that the way to have very little faith in Christ and very little like faith to obey is you just don't exert a lot of effort in Scripture. So when I think about this, I think, are or am I lazy when I approach the Scriptures, seeking to read through it as fast as I can, with as little effort as I can, not using my mind, but just... Uh, reading to read. Uh, one of the great, one of the pastors I love uh, here in um, South Carolina, not, not that I'm in South Carolina, he's a pastor in South Carolina, and, and I would highly encourage anyone to read any of his commentaries. I'm reading the his commentary on John right now, and so he talks about this, and his name is Richard Phillips. I've mentioned him before on here, but I would highly encourage you. This is what he says. He says, I have observed over the years that the Christians whose lives are strongly influenced by God's word are not those who devote a few hurried minutes to a devotion and prayer, but those who hunger for knowledge of divine truth and study scripture with a passion that befits its dignity and worth. So the question that you should answer, that I should answer, is am I hurrying through my few minutes in Scripture and quickly running through prayer so that I can check that off the box and move on? 
or am I hungering and thirsting for God, for his righteousness, for his wisdom from the word? And do I study it, what he says, with a passion that befits its dignity and worth? David says this, make me to know your ways, O Lord, teach me your paths, lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation. All right, guys, those are the four ways to approach scripture as the way as John Newton lays out. So I would encourage you this week, if you haven't already, just take time to examine how you're looking at God's word. Like be very, very honest. The The only way that you and I are going to grow in something is to be very honest about where we are. Most people set targets and set goals without even sitting down and writing and figuring out where they are. And so if you desire this year to grow in wisdom and grow in your Bible knowledge and in your love for Christ, I would encourage you to stop and just look at where you are. I, I was encouraging the guys on our call this week just to, on a scale of one to 10, write out what level of effort have you been have you been living your Christian life with? What is your level of effort? What is your level of effort? I think that's very, very important for all of us. And so on a scale of one to 10, is your level of effort a five or six or two or three? And then compare it with your level of expectation. What are you expecting? Because if you expect a 10, yet you your effort is a five, then, you know, one of two things needs to happen. We need to lower our level of expectation or we need to increase our level of effort. All right, brothers, that's it for this episode. I will be back next week with another episode and I will talk to you then.